I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. It's such an honour to be here and I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favourite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Pop Culture Pasta. So, uh, you guys, it's, it's, it's uh, kindly uh, Christian families taking in disadvantaged youth and the, the feel-good Hollywood story of that took a hit this week. Michael Orr, the subject of the movie The Blind Side. Sandra Bullock won an Oscar for that. Also a book. Also a book. And I read the book, yeah. just so you know. DJ has read Way the book. Way before the movie came uh, Yeah, so I heard about the book when I was still in high school. Yeah. Oh. That I had a teacher that's like, if you want to read a very moving book, he's like, read this. I read the book because he was on the Tony Kornheiser show. So we're going all the way back oh, wow. to my mm-hmm. 8, 10, 6, 10 days <laughs> back in the day when I lived in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Morning show, Tony Kornheiser had the author of that book. And that's what made me read the book. I went and bought okay. it. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Did you ever think on Pop Culture Pastor there'd be a Tony Kornheiser no. reference? No. I'm glad there is. I just realized I missed Tony Kornheiser. PTI, folks. Kind of missed that. Yeah. Anyways, before we get into this, I wanted oh, to kind of intro it. I want to say this is Pop Culture Pastor. My name is Dave. Cody's here. Yes. And also Documentary Geek of the Roundtable DJs here because this is a w- episode. This is a What's Up Doc episode. And it's going to have a little sports flair to it. Mm. Because we are talking about uh, the documentary on Netflix, Untold Johnny Football, which is a kind of, if, if it had a subtitle, it'd be the rise and fall of Johnny Manziel, uh, the famous Texas A&M quarterback, uh, lovingly known as Johnny Football. And really, you don't have to be a big sports head to kind of watch it. It's only 70 minutes long. Yeah. I was glad it was short because I'm like, if this is multiple episodes, I don't know if I have enough investment in johnny manzel like he was big when i was in college and uh like right after i graduated like he's leading texas a&m and i'm invested in the early years but then like it's sad yeah so yeah but we're so we're gonna talk about that coming up but don't go anywhere even if you're not a sports head because it's gonna be there's enough deep things to talk about there that it should be interesting and you should watch the documentary for sure um, in fact, you can pause the podcast and go watch it right now and then come back. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Michael Orr and um, by proxy, the movie The Blind Side starring uh, Sandra Bullock and, uh, you know, Tim McGraw. Tim McGraw is in that movie. Some little boy. And they are mad at Sandra Bullock. That's what's so fun. <laughs> Who's mad at Sandy Bullock? Like, that's oh, all over Twitter. Yeah. Like, like, it's a big deal on Twitter. Like, they act like, because all the pictures are pictures of her. Like, she's the, like. No one has like, a yeah. real picture of who that the lady was. The yeah, twoies. the twoies, yeah. Okay, before we even get into this, it's so, I, Twitter and social media and us. And I mean. Let's just label it as us. We're doing our thing already where we're siding up. But can I just say it, just so you know, there is a such thing as black Twitter. Oh, yeah. There is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so black Twitter's gone off on Sandra Bullock, and I don't understand. <laughs> like, I don't get it, but go ahead. I'm sorry. I just want to know, black Twitter's on fire. The white chair in Montgomery, Alabama, 
and Sandra Bullock right now are trending. Uh, <laughs> uh, we don't have time to no, get, it, to don't get, do get it. into the white chair do reference. No, don't um, do it. If you don't know. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to know. WWE had a spot with the white chair <laughs> in the new day. So watch that. Uh, so. I saw it. I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, that's that 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 was go ahead though. Go. I'm not <laughs> so, gonna comment on so that. So Michael Orr who uh, is a football player, a, a retired football player, was a Super Bowl champion, pro bowler, um, guarded, blocked the blind side for his quarterback, was was yeah. the subject of this movie, The Blind Side. So the movie, based on a book that DJ has read, mm-hmm. uh, is all about this, this family that took in Michael when he was uh, a minor. Yep, 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 yep. And, and just kind of helped him, gave him a place to stay, uh, fed him, got him into a different school, and then kind of just helped him along in life. And um, it was just such a... Wonderful story. I remember uh, I, I kind of liked that movie, The Blind Side. I bet you did. Sandy Bullock's great. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Uh, yeah. I, that I got seem, some white guilt going on here. That and does I'd like seem that like clarifying. a Dave movie. <laughs> Maybe it touched my savior complex just, a little just, bit, you know? <laughs> I admit it. I'm just, I'm impressed that you caught it. I'm so used to being in these circles in Chanute where I can make comments and nobody knows what I'm talking about. So that, I'm impressed. Kudos, kudos. I'm, I'm in trying touch, to, I'm trying in to touch with my, my brokenness. Yeah, I, I'm impressed that you caught that. Most, <laughs> you, they, I have to give you, that's, that's props, props to you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I mean, uh, it, we're laughing about it in a way, but th- th- this needs to be, probably brought up in this story because first of all before we even start everybody cited up already and i'll caution everyone there's two different stories here and we don't know what the truth is yet yeah, it's probably somewhere in the middle right? probably yes. right cody tell go ahead and uh, tell us i mean i'm hoping it's somewhere in the middle <laughs> so here's what michael but there has been grumblings for years yeah absolutely yes, yes. yes. He's, he's, and we'll get to that yes yes this yes. is not coming out of nowhere yes, yes. uh michael Orr a couple days ago uh, filed a, lops, a lawsuit, and he alleges he is unknowing. He broke? He's well, not broke, is he? Oh, it kind of sounds like it. Yes, yeah, see, this, I, see this. It's, 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 yeah, there's a couple questions I have yeah, yeah. to to get to the bottom of okay, this that I'll get to. But let me let me get through the basics. My here. bad. Aura's lawsuit alleges he unknowingly authorized the couple to be his conservators in 2004 when he was 18 years old. Quote, this is a quote from his lawyer. Michael trusted the tweets and signed where they told him to sign. What he signed, however, and unknown to Michael until after February 2023, were not adoption papers or the equivalent of adoption papers. Um, he recently learned that the Tui family was receiving residual checks from the movie, he claims, and he hired his attorney to look into the situation. This allegedly led the attorney to uncovering the conservatorship papers in February 2023, he goes on to say Mike didn't grow up with a stable family life. When the Tui family told Mike they loved him and wanted to adopt him, it filled a void that had been with him his entire life. Discovering that he wasn't actually adopted devastated Mike and wounded him deeply. So that was kind of the story from Michael Orr's end. And so he's not adopted? No. Okay, so... Legally. Two days ago when this came out... I thought, oh, no, this sounds bad for the family. Because my big question was, uh, of course, this could all be his version of the truth, and we want to wait to hear the other side. But the big thing for me, if you remember, Cody, because I remember us talking about it, was they're going to have to explain the conservatorship. Mm -hmm. Because to to have a conservatorship on an adult young man who's not 
of uh, compromised mind. That's that was weird to me. I was like, you get into the Britney Spears stuff. Yeah, yes. right. They're going to have to explain that because that didn't make any sense. Well, since the Tuies have claimed that. Uh, Michael Orr has attempted a shakedown on the couple for fifteen yeah. million dollars before he filed yeah, the petition. Yeah, talk to me. Uh, <laughs> he claimed a petition that the Tui family did not legally adopt it. He's trying to buy a couple Whataburgers. Um, but the Tuies are out here uh, telling a different story. They his their lawyer says they quote opened their home to Mister Orr, offered him structure support, and most of all, unconditional love. His response was to threaten them, including saying that he would plant a negative story about them in the press unless they paid him $15 million. There you go. The statement also alleges that Mr. Orr actually attempted to run this play several times before, but was stopped after the lawyers representing him saw the evidence and learned the truth. So here's what they're saying. Um, They're saying, so he said that everyone got money from the royalties of the movie. That was that was in his claim. Now, the family's claiming they each got like twelve thousand dollars, which was like the share from the writer of the book. Mm. So the writer of the book book got royalties. Oh yeah, they all declined royalties from the movie. None of them got royalties. Is their claim, and everyone got the author's share split mm. five ways because there's four of them in the natural family. There's the mom, dad, their two natural born kids, and Michael. So five ways they each got like twelve thousand yeah, dollars. Yeah, yeah, and. They explain the conservatorship. So here's what they say about the conservatorship, Cody and DJ. They said that when Ole Miss was recruiting him, and if you remember from reading the book, these these were Ole Miss people. Yes. So there were issues that Ole Miss said they were going to have with the NCAA because they had boarded him and fed him. Absolutely. And he wasn't a member of the family. Absolutely. And if Ole Miss recruited him, they saw problems. So Absolutely. they told him that they needed to adopt him. The problem is, is by the time they told him that, he was an adult. And in that state at that time, they were told they could not legally adopt him. They, they were told that the only way to do that was through a conservatorship. Um, which would technically make him a member legally of their family. That that's the reasoning they put. Now, if Ole Miss, if anyone is willing to go on record and back that up and be like a witness for them to say that, yeah, that's that's the discussions that were made. Then that kind of explains the conservatorship, um, or just what the laws are for that state at that time yeah now that would be easy yeah from what i understand now you can adopt in mississippi at any age well you know with nil you'd have to be able to get over yourself now right right Mm. so the ncaa rules have all changed and we're going to discuss this is going to come up later when we talk about johnny menzel absolutely um but that's what they're saying and now we're now it's well who do you want to believe because, and trust me, everyone out there in social media land, they have someone they want to believe. That's well, for sure. Well, you know, black Twitter don't believe white people. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell you right now. I just saw somebody post that Sandra Bullock played a low-key human trafficker. Mm. Yeah, uh-huh. I saw all those takes. Yep. Those takes were hot and heavy a couple days ago when Orr's side came out. And then there was like kind of radio silence until today. And then the Tui families released that statement. So the Tui family does have money, but um, it was from the sale of apparently Mr. Tui owned many McDonald's franchises. He, mm. he built up um, a collection of McDonald's franchises over the years. As one does. <laughs> you, you, and you, sold them some years ago for like $250 million or something. You, you know who we need, don't you? Who do we need? Oprah. Oh. Sell them down, Oprah. 
get this figured out. I am told Oprah's too busy orchestrating the Maui fire. Oh. Let's oh, not open, I, I did let's see not open that. that can of worms. <laughs> yeah. what, what, what do you mean? What is she doing? Oh, She's man. saving lives. Not only has Twitter got thoughts about the or situation. They got thoughts on Oprah. They got thoughts on conspiracies in Maui. And that, I like, thought that was Facebook territory, by the way. Yeah, and they also have identified that oh, other properties she's owned around the the nation have had fires around them, but her property spared of all damage. Yeah, and she has property on Maui, and it's spared of all damage. Okay, yeah, they, they got Oprah figured out. Maybe God just loves Oprah. <laughs> so, if nothing else. This shows the old, uh, the curse of the biopic in a kind of a way where you fall in love with a movie like The Blind Side. And then, of course, it's never as simple as, as, it, as it appears. See, I Real didn't, life like, is I didn't like the movie. So. You didn't like the movie. No. I did not care for the movie. And I was gifted no. the movie while I was doing like a vacation Bible school internship out in Western Kansas. This old couple's like, here's two jars of jam. And a movie that we think you'll love. Yeah. I did not love it. Well, I liked it apparently because it touched my white savior complex. Uh, <laughs> well, DJ, tell tell me your thoughts about the the movie. You read the book, did you did you enjoy reading the book or does what I'm interested to know where it hits you. Cuz clearly, like listen, if we're being fair, there probably is a touch of savior complex going on here with the two E's, right? I'm going to say more than a touch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's thinking. Yeah, because he's measuring you have to, the words. Well, you have to be careful to try to pretend to know somebody's yeah. motive. Yeah, is not healthy. I mean, you got to be real careful pretending like you know somebody's motives. But there is this greater conversation. It clearly hits you in a certain way. Yeah, there's this greater conversation of this narrative of yeah where. I'm trying to say this right. How many, how many different ways can we tell the story of a black kid who's, he's an animal. He don't even know how to use a fork. Um, he can't tie his shoes. Look at this animal. And then here come the white people that show him how to use a fork. Mm-hmm. And so that narrative, I'm past both. I didn't see 12 years a slave either. Mm. I don't see how either one of those narratives get us to the place that we claim we want to get to. Those movies, to me, both of them, contribute to the further irre- irreconcilable issues that we have between the races in this country. Yeah, That's just how I feel. So, so Orr himself, if we're, if we're being full disclosure here, Orr himself has had a problem with the movie, and that's been pretty clear um, since it came out. Absolutely. Slash his teammates all call him blindside. Yeah, well. <laughs> and yeah, and make I get fun it. of him for well, like, how yeah, he's portrayed in his and, movie. And, and, and his big can, problem is, is the way he's portrayed in the movie. Well, he, you should read the book. It's worse in the book. I mean, he doesn't even know how to sleep in a bed in the book. Yeah. And so he hides his food. He would hoard his food, according to the book, underneath his bed. Yeah. He didn't even know that he, how to use a refrigerator. And the dad has to come upstairs and go, hey, you know, Michael, you don't have to do that now. There's a famous scene in the movie where the young boy in the family uses like jars to teach him how to play football. 
yet um, they don't get him in in the real world. The story is is he do, they don't even meet him until he's like seventeen. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And he was already a multi basically. He was already a multi sport yes, athlete. They're basically taking responsibility for everything that even he was good at. Yeah, he couldn't talk. He couldn't read. He underperformed in school, and it was so that part that's on stereo. The family made a contribution to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. And we put that contribution on steroids. You could take a kid from in uh, from country bubblegum Alabama and move him to Mississippi and do the same thing with that kid and make fun of rednecks in the same way. Mm-hmm. I just feel like I think they're trying to accomplish racial reconciliation with false narratives, and I just don't think that works. And I feel the same way about 12 Years a Slave. I feel like these movies perpetuate further stereotypes that divide us more. What do we do with the issue of adoption where we start going um, in between cultures and the danger of demonizing other cultures and really going, we don't do things like that here and I'm not going to demonize how you do it. We don't do it like that here. And so let me integrate you into how we do things here, how you do things and let's spend a day doing things the way you do it. It's just really weird to me where somebody demonizes somebody else. Everybody does it. Mm-hmm. I think that's weird. Like, I didn't move to Southeast Kansas expecting this culture to embrace how, how I do things. And, and, and so I don't have that expectation of people who didn't grow up with black people to have any understanding of what it means to be black in America. Mm-hmm. However, I expect people who claim the love of Christ not to demonize me based on cultural things. Yeah. And so just because I do things differently than you don't make you more saved than me. And I've dealt with that racism in Chanute where people think they're more saved than me because they do things differently and they appropriate salvation and sanctification this way. Mm -hmm. And you're just being white American, white evangelical. You're not being a mature believer. Does that make sense? Oh yeah. 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 And so we'd actually do that in a bunch of different areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And so I don't think these movies are accomplishing what they, they really were hoping to accomplish. Yeah. If I was looking at my own personal story, there have been numerous white families that have done above, beyond, God has used them in some of the most profound ways so that I can be who I am today. I graduated from Humboldt High School. The Bauer family literally brought me into their home and treated me like their son. I had my own room. Yeah. They took me school clothes shopping. They threw me my first real, real birthday party that I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I went on my first family vacation with them. Um, still to this day, like we just came, we had a family reunion about three weeks ago. Me and my wife went. That family, predominantly white, I'm pretty much the only African-American that they know intimately, and they literally treat me to this day like I'm their kid. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Yeah. I believe... That happens every day in this country. And just my story alone, they didn't teach me how to dribble. I could do that. (laughs) They didn't teach me how to jump up and sit on a rim. I could do that. They don't take credit for my entire plight. Right. They're not asking to be heroes. 
And I think there are stories that need to be told that tell a better, accurate picture. I don't know if they ever sell movies, but there are stories all around. I just saw one of an African-American coach that took in a whole family of white kids, and he's their coach, and they lost both their parents. He took in all the white kids. There are stories of people doing it that Hollywood hasn't touched. Yeah. I don't understand. Well, part of it, I mean, it's a biblical truth, is like you've earned your reward when you like broadcast your story to get it highlighted and become a hero, Yeah, which in this case, I mean, this family literally went to an author and it's like, Hey, tell our story about how we saved Michael Orr from everything under the sun. I'm waiting for them to bring up his mental health. Okay. That's, We'll see. We'll That's see if going that to happens. be a tricky subject, but it's coming. But in your neck of the world, in your, I mean, that's a whole conversation. When you start adopting outside of your culture, and we've seen that happen numerous times in our town, mm-hmm. it's a very difficult thing mm-hmm. because you're now meddling with somebody's identity. Yep, yep. And when you start meddling with people's identity, here comes the mental health issues. Obviously... There is a victimization that's happened to this young man and a crushing of the identity that we don't fully know Mm -hmm. if his teammates are calling him blindside. Oh, yeah. And so you know how the enemy will take and mock. So when you don't do things the way God tells you to do them, your curse will mock your blood. You know, Isaac, you know, they had to put Hagar out because Ishmael started giving Isaac some trouble, right? And I just think there's a tendency for, if you're not careful when you're an adopted kid, the enemy will mock your blessing and turn that on you. There's some type of thing with adoption, even if you're in the same culture, let alone not in the culture, that that kid in America has a hard time acclimating themselves in their identity with the people that they live with even in a, a situation that has no press, no, the person isn't going to go to the NFL. So you know all of that is in this story. Now, you can make it just a black thing if you want, but there's mm. definitely yeah. a lot more ingredients than this a black kid. So my last question to wrap this up is, and, and let me intro it a little bit, is Hollywood has things called tropes. The yeah. things that are in stories, and it's not just Hollywood, in books too. In stories, we have tropes. And the whole idea of the trope is it's it's not a sinister thing. You're just making the curve more dramatic because you want the the ups and downs to be uppier and downier, right? And so we can can say that the writer of the book did not have wickedness in mind, but do do the makers of the story bear responsibility when they make the the white Christian family very perfect and savory and they make Michael Orr the dim-witted black gentle giant who doesn't know how to tie his shoes? Um, Does the maker of the story bear responsibility in the outcome of the relationship? If that's me, I would be embarrassed. I don't know. So I'm a stepfather, adopted both of my kids. If I saw a movie of our life and there were things in there that were on stage, that would bother me for me to pretend like I had to do something that I didn't do. I don't know why that's okay. If 
the family had come out after this movie's made because you can't control what the studio is going to do once they own the property. They're going to make whatever they make. Mm-hmm. Um, if they had came, you out, can, but you got to do all that up front. Oh yeah, and if they had said, you know, some of this was overly dramatized. Uh, Michael actually was an athlete before he he came to our family. He knew this. He knew that. Like this was more for dramatic effect. Yeah, that's a whole nother story we have now. In the book, she's a pistol. Um, there are stories about the mom that the the author tells with. So, for instance, she, she's an interior decorator in the book, and she has a lot of connections with a lot of athletes. And I can't remember who was the Washington Redskins quarterback at the time, but she goes to him because she's interior decorated his house, and she says to him, this kid needs clothes, right? And he's like, well, what are his sizes? She gives him like size 17 shoe. And he was like, does he play? You know, he was just like, wow, this is a big dude. And so he went to some of the linemen on the watch Redskins and they got him some clothes when they first took him in. That alone is enough of a story part. That oh, yeah. There are parts of the book that are left out where you're not necessarily making it about his ineptitude, whatever, however you say that. I'm making up words now. That's my Dr. King spirit in me. <laughs> that, that, you know, you just go, okay. That that is what we're gonna do, but so there were several stories in the book that I felt like had enough of that, where you didn't have to make it like he couldn't, you didn't have to play the stereotype like they're just like you can't teach black kids how to read, write, and do arithmetic. Like it's miraculous that oh he is part of a family that has these connections. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, yeah, I know no one that is a professional athlete. I yeah. cannot yeah. give you. A connection to the Washington Redskins offensive line. Before we move on, I will say this, that both Michael Orr and the Tui family have written successive books after The Blind Side yeah. uh, uh, Mania, um, multiple books, both parties. Yeah, yeah. And while Michael has remained pretty consistent about his displeasure with the movie, uh, I will say you brought up, uh, did the Tui family ever express anything contrary and they did in in some of their more whichever their more recent books were they did have a whole chapter where they said michael was going to make it regardless that they did not that nothing they did helped him get to where he was he was going to make it so they do and they they also point out that he was much smarter than they, they depicted him in the movie now did they do that because they knew michael was unhappy with it who knows I slash because like he's retired now yeah um but Literally, I can remember watching NBC Sunday Night Football and them doing a story about how all his teammates call him the blind side. Yeah. He hates it. And like the announcers and the sideline reporter are laughing uh, that he gets so animated when his teammates do that. And that goes into like mental health stuff. Yeah. And So there's this awesome conversation that's not happening to me that needs to start happening. And it's 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 and it's typically done through therapy. You you draw your conclusions from counseling therapy, and for us, it's the Holy Spirit. And then, but to me, if you have an agent, it's like let's get you to a therapist. Let's literally walk through this. Yes, because let's process it. The you live in a time if you're famous, the attack is coming. So if you're not healthy, black Twitter is going to eat you up. Mm. You know, white Twitter is going to eat you up. So. 
to me, it's coming out of this going, how do I explain who I really am from this and what this really did? And how do you have a, a really honest conversation with your adopted parents? And uh, yeah, how do you arrive at the arbitrary number $15 million? It's like, I'm like, that's interesting. Yeah, that's just, mm. I like, what, what, where does this all boil down from? What are, you, what are you thinking? Yeah. Truth's probably in the middle. That's, that is, we said that at the beginning. That's usually what bears out to be true. And I think the answer that you gave me just now makes a ton of sense. Which, what's, what answer was that? Because I know for a fact I've had several kids that I've tried to help that are in college that play sports. I couldn't help them because the NCAA said you can't help them. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, we've had kids from Chanute that I mentor and I was taking them to lunch and, and bought them some clothes. And the coach put me in the and said, Hey, we got to talk about this. Yep. We're not talking like, NCAA Division One, yeah. yeah. So, so that part of it actually to me smells right. Uh, tell us what you think when we post this. This is going to be kind of a joint episode. This is uh, we're talking about the Blindside lawsuit here, beginning. But right now, we're going to move into our review of the documentary Untold Johnny Football. Stick around. <laughs> Welcome back. We are here on a What's Up Doc episode of Pop Culture Pastor. We've got our documentary geek of the round table, DJ Dangerfield's here, uh, who, by the way, it's always wonderful to have you. You bring you bring a deep insight into things that that uh, we usually don't have on the show. Oh, wow. I yeah. didn't, I didn't, wasn't, I don't feel that way when I listen, You're, I'm. You're almost like the Play-Doh of the pop oh, culture pastor world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are in trouble. <laughs> if it wasn't for you, we'd be talking about farts and, you know, whatever else with uh, Star Wars and things like that. Um, but we watched Untold. Untold is a series on Netflix, a series great, of documentaries. Great series. So yeah. I enjoy so every far. episode that so they've released. Co so so Dave, I know you got an outline, but I have to know, which one is the best one so far? Malice in the Palace. I love that. See, that, that I like the hockey one. I, they're close. The hockey one is. They're, they're like, they're right neck and neck to me. The mouse, you're right. So the Malice in the Palace is phenomenal. Malice but in that the Palace hockey is one. the one that like I knew like going into like, oh, I remembered this. Yeah, this is yeah, a big yeah. event. And then this hockey one's just like the hockey out one of left field. is so dope. Yeah. Have you seen it? No, I haven't seen that. You've it's got to. Like WWE meets hockey. You've got to see. Hockey. But they gave the the franchise to a senior in high. Could you imagine? Like you have the Wichita Escape football team and you're the general manager, president. Oh, that'd be that would have been <laughs> and when I was nineteen? Yes. Oh, that would have been bad. Oh yes. <laughs> and and it is. It would have been like basketball. But it ends yeah, much. so I won't tell it, but you definitely, I'm begging you to watch this because okay. I want to hear your take on it because it also has the mafia. The mafia's in this thing. So just check it out. You're hitting all my, yes, all my just, just, awesome buttons. Yes, but I, this series has been phenomenal. Okay. Yeah. So we we all like Untold, and they just came out with this new one. It's called Johnny Football, and it uh, is basically, if I could give it a subtitle, it's The Rise and Fall of Johnny Manziel. Here is uh, the synopsis from Netflix. I'll read it before we get into this here. 
In 2012, the brightest star in all of sports was an undersized freshman quarterback wow. at unheralded Texas A&M, whose fervor on the field was rivaled only by his hard partying ways off it. Dubbed Johnny Football, the magnetic football player captured the nation's attention and initially relished his alter ego. I wanted to be Johnny Football. Johnny yeah. Football never had a bad time, yeah. he says. But as the money rolled That's in, it. the scrutiny heightened, and Manziel rejected his newfound fame and suddenly lost his way. With astonishing candor, Manziel, along with his family, coaches, his former best friend, and his agent, details what happened behind the scenes as scandals piled up in the glare of paparazzi flashbulbs. He fumbled his shot at NFL success after the Cleveland Browns picked him in the first round of the NFL draft in 2014, but Manziel went on to search for something even greater, inner peace and happiness with a quieter life that he reveals here. Now, before we even get into it, I'm going to call shenanigans on that last little blurb there Say it for again, Netflix. Was he went on to search for something even greater, inner peace and happiness with a quieter life. The, what we see of his life now is him partying with his friends at his pool. Well, you didn't like the bongs they had out. So the 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 headline though came out two weeks ago when the stock dropped was, oh by the way, he's opening a huge bar in <laughs> uh, a Dallas uh, suburb. Right. So I'm like, okay. Okay, are we really looking for inner peace? But that's his true self to him. It is. I, I mean, if there's so, anything that we know he does, is that. So that actually makes sense to me. It makes sense. It's when he's having press conferences going, well, I, well, I know that as a teammate, my team, my linemen. So he reminded me of Flair, Ric Flair. Yeah. But he doesn't have the, I guess, the ability to sustain the high level of performance. Yeah, in, on the yeah. football field, yeah. No, you know who this guy becomes? Johnny Manziel ends up being the bad guy from Roadhouse, the guy that owns all the owns all the the whole town. <laughs> he drives the monster truck through the he, through the car dealership. He drives his car all over the road while singing old tunes, <laughs> not caring about everyone else. But, so he talks about. I was not expecting that analogy. <laughs> yeah. So I'll get to it later. But his mental health journey and his life choices, even after his mental health journey, or his continuing of his mental health journey, they don't line up in, yeah. yeah I, we, I have we'll, issues. We'll get to the mental health you're gonna part be all right. You're going to be all right, Cody? Yeah. You're going to be all right, <laughs> um, So the documentary starts, we see him in high school. He's clearly a gifted athlete. Um, he's scoring like, you know, seven touchdowns in the first half of a high school football game, which is just kind of bonkers. And he's never really like, if you – if you're if you've been around high school football, saying someone's a quarterback, it, it, you understand doesn't necessarily mean he's throwing the ball. No, and and it looked like that was pretty much the case. He's just running, he's running for all these touchdowns. He's a running quarterback, which probably is why he didn't get as much attention coming out of high school that he wanted to, because he wants to. He said several times that his dream was to go to Texas, the University of Texas. He this idolized. He railed so fast. <laughs> It, it probably, yeah, it's probably the best thing that he didn't go to Austin, uh, but he idolized Vince Young, uh, who was a, 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 an, an athletic quarterback himself. Um, first NFL jersey I own is a Vince Young jersey. There you go. Um, and, and so my first question is, how good was Johnny Manziel? How He's good? a baller. Yeah. I mean. He's a baller, bona fide baller. 
Yeah, he's pretty good. He beat Alabama. I mean, come on, y'all. He's bona fide. Like, so they built that stadium on his back. They did. And he, for the most part, that freshman year, phenomenal. Most part. Um, they don't win it all. Mm-hmm. And they also lose their first game against a team that like looks like a JV team compared to Alabama. But he has tremendous success. To be fair, he was a true freshman. Yes. Yeah, he's a baller, bro. I, I'm not discounting it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just a saying baller. that like, you it just wasn't don't perfect. like him. It wasn't perfect. But he's a baller, bro. Yeah. Like straight up, flat out. I, what really gets me is later on in the dock when the, the Browns coaches are talking about him or when, they, when they're talking about his pro career and they flash back to, to Kingsbury. Who is the college coach? Yeah, man. And they said something about his iPad registered zero. zero min- oh, no, no, that was the agent. Yeah, so he yeah, is talking about yeah, the pros. Yeah. That is, they can measure how long they're watching yeah, the game uh, field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said it measured zero. zero. And ma- they flip back to Manziel and he's holding up his hands in the shape of an O. He's like, none, zero. <laughs> dude watched no. Fi- yeah. Like this dude puts absolutely yeah. no real work into being a good football player. Um, and yet was drafted. So. There's two names I have that were drafted just as high and were just as bright of stars. Jamarcus Russell. Okay. Brett, what's my middle name, Favre? And Brett Favre somehow makes it. Mm-hmm. Hall of Fame. Yeah, he's a Hall of Famer. You don't think Brett Favre studied film, though? Oh, no. Like, he literally said, I didn't know what uh, a double net. Uh, the nickel was until like my fifth season in the league. Just so you know, Johnny Manziel, his freshman year threw almost 1200 yards more than the starting quarterback for the Texas Longhorns. <laughs> Just so you know, that's, that's so it wasn't all right. Threw, threw like seven or eight more touchdowns too. Yeah. Now so I'm just telling and you. So the thing that gets me with the documentary is it doesn't talk about who's around Johnny Manziel to help him get those touchdown passes and help lead that team because Super Bowl winning Mike bro, Evans bro, and Vaughn Miller's bro, on that defense. Bro, you Vaughn can do Miller. that with every single quarterback that we talk about. You can do that every I, single time. I know. They call it Johnny football for a reason. I'm just saying you don't stop Bama if you don't have a Vaughn Miller. You say that about you say that about the whole Bama football team. You say that with anybody, but for whatever reason, he is Johnny. It is football. The quarterback, the winning quarterback is the man, period. There's nothing to argue about. You can say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. Uh, who was Pat Mahomes' that, best? You can say that about Patrick teammate, Mahomes. I can, and his team reflected that. They would have five and six losses like, a year. His look, team reflected that. Let's let's be let's be real honest here. The difference between Johnny Manziel and and Patrick Mahomes might just be doing the homework. Absolutely. Oh, That's yeah. the yeah. point of the documentary. Yeah. yeah. This dude's a baller. He's not trying. Yeah. He clearly got into a fight at a bar <laughs> his first day in college. This dude's a baller. Your definition of a baller, mine are told. You were sitting there like, oh, I don't know. Dude, you don't just show up to a Division One first season in the SEC and go, you know what? I'm not going to go to, pr- I'm just going to kind of hang out, <laughs> smoke weed, beat up people, drink every single night. 
And I think I'm going to try to help my team win. The thing is, is I've seen it since. I've seen it. His name's Baker Mayfield. I was going to say Baker Mayfield is the prototype of that. Oh, yeah. I don't yeah. know if Baker Mayfield didn't watch film and go to practice and all that. I, just I don't know, know Baker took up all the extracurriculars and the fighting. Uh, well, everybody <laughs> does the extracurriculars. Let me yes. go ahead and say that. Let me disappoint you with that. I'm talking about, but there are some people who have put in the work. Mm-hmm. Yes. There are some yeah. people. Kobe was in a hotel room when he wasn't supposed to be with somebody. Mm-hmm. But he still had a phenomenal. Jordan, Tiger Woods. The, the, the Tiger Woods documentary is essentially the same thing about as the Johnny Manziel documentary. The only difference is Tiger puts in, in the, the work. work. What we're saying that make Johnny Manziel, why we're saying he is a beast, is because we're going, he's not, yeah. he's not trying. <laughs> he... I drew from the comic. This guy had it and didn't want it. I think he would. I think he liked the fraternity. The the what do you call it? The what do you call the little clubs? The, the frat club. He wanted to be a frat boy. This helped him. He's nobody. He's a nerd. He's a he's somebody we're going to pick on every day. If it wasn't for football, he's a scrawny punk picked on every day. Mm. What made him a frat boy, which is what he wanted. Yeah. What made him the life of the party was. He says that in the doc. Yeah. That he wanted to that be a That was the boy. point to me. It's like football was just a means to get to this other place. But, but, go back to high school, Johnny. Johnny's at like a military academy, essentially. Yeah. In high school. Yeah. And he has work ethic. Yeah. He talks and about it. Yeah. He talks about he puts in some work ethic still at Texas A&M, but by year two, that's all gone. Well, he said that he would look around when he was in high school, and everybody was doing it. So yes. when you go Division One, not everybody's, everybody's doing, not everybody's it. doing it. Yeah. So the catalyst is the Alabama game. When the hype gets crazy, he wins the Heisman, and, and things uh, go off the rails. We'll talk about that in a little bit. There's a quote from Cliff Kingsbury, who is his quarterback coach, who would go on to be a, a pro coach. I uh, also coached Patrick Mahomes at Texas In college. Um, so that's yeah. an interesting note there. Kingsbury, no. If Kingsbury says you're good, yeah. you're guess what good. you are. He's, Kingsbury guess has, what you are. But what's the guy's name from ESPN? He called it. The dude from ESPN, before he got drafted, he said, don't draft this kid. And he gave them 10 reasons, had nothing to do with it's, the stuff that you're saying. Yeah. It had all to do with hit where he releases the ball. He talk, Merrill Hodge. Hodge. Yeah, I he saw talks that about clip. his footwork. He talks about where he releases the ball. He talks about his vision. They're all fact based quarterback skill sets that you have to have to be a, in a. That's what I'm most interested in. Coming up here, just because he don't reflect what you think a person should reflect, Brett Favre didn't reflect any of those things either. Yeah. He just was doggone good. But so you got to get over yourself. You got to get over yourself we, in that regard. We have uh, the shining light. His name was Thomas Brady. You know what wins and you know what doesn't with Tom Brady. And if you don't reflect – not only the physical attributes that Merrill Hodge brought up, but if you don't reflect the mental or like even the size, like Drew Brees and Russell Wilson, they're good for one Super Bowl. They're good for one. I don't think you're going to win multiple with them. I don't think what you say, everybody's good for one. I, you are a fan talking. I so am. I don't respect what you're saying. I'm just going to tell you that up front. Until you've got into it, 
A fan just you you know how hard it is to win a state title in high school, let alone to pretend like because I'm good, I'm just gonna come out and win a Super Bowl trophy. I mean, that is bananas that fans make those statements to me. That's that's something that we can't we can't wrap our it's like an artist who makes it to the top in music. We can't wrap our mind around how, why Taylor Swift makes it, and there are 20 women I could take you to local churches that do circles around her singing that would never make it. We can't. I, I watched an interview with Sting. You can't wrap your mind around why the police became the police and other bands didn't. If we, if it was so easy just to say get a Tom Brady six foot four and be mentally tough and do the reps, everybody would do it. It's not that simple. You it's have to just fall in not, the right spot. That's just sure. not. It's, it's that's why we like sports. But like the reason why we love sports is because it's not that simple. You don't know what's going. As soon as they put the wild card in, the the Giants lost their first four football games, winning as the wild card and beat the undefeated Patriots with a little Eli Manning, somebody that you wouldn't expect to win the Super Bowl. That's what that's what we love about sports and fans forget that so quick that what we love about sports is if it was just as simple as going, "Hey, that's why we look at Tom Brady so high." Because that's not easy. It's nowhere near easy to do it's that. It's not, but he's a prototype. Muggsy Bogues isn't going to win you a championship. Muggsy Bogues is out of the league. But Berea does. Berea's taller than 5'3". But three. go back and watch the footage. All right, all right. Okay, hold on. So Let, like, let's break this up. There's a prototype <laughs> that wins in the NFL and Manziel didn't fit let's, it. Let's, let's move on. We, we've said our piece here. We, yes. We're getting deep into the sports now, and now uh, I'm afraid uh, our normal listeners are like, I don't know what we're talking about, Beret and Muggsy Bogues. I just know there was some shocking Muggsy Bogues and Taylor Swift slander in there, and I don't know well, if I'm I down just, with that. Like, <laughs> Do you understand why everybody's no, freaking I'm about kidding. Taylor Swift? Nobody yeah, knows yeah, yeah, why. Yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. I understand what both of you are saying. Um, I think it all started because the crazy thing about Manziel is, is Cliff Kingsbury says it. In the dock, he says, this dude rolled out to the biggest game of the year, hung over. He's sweating like crazy, and he went out there. And remember, he tells me, he says, you better be good. Makes no sense. He says, you better be good, and he does. He goes out there and wins Makes in no the game. Uh, but so he, He's disrespecting the game at that point. We, we could clearly answer the first question <laughs> and say, Johnny Menzel, how good was he? Well, he was real good. He's real good. Um the next question is, is when, when things, as the documentary progresses, you see his popularity growing, then the Bama game hits, and that's when he takes everything to, is, is just, it's Johnny football mania. Are 19-year-olds ready to handle celebrity? I don't think man was made for fame, period. Yeah, I was going to say adults Tom Brady, struggle with We're it. back to Tom Brady. Tom Brady proves it. Oh, yeah. I don't think, man, I mean, that's the conclusion I'm drawing. After watching the Tiger Woods documentary, HBO has the Tiger Woods documentary. It's two episodes. The, that's the whole point of all these doc They're all the same. They start off as elite kids. They go off to college elite. Mm -hmm. They become famous. I mean, as soon as fame pops, it's over for Like, you can just tell. Like, that Alabama game is his downfall. Yeah. Like, so why are we so forgiving to Tom Brady and not Johnny Manziel? Because I think if we're being fair, we can and honest, we can say people don't have a good 
um, opinion of Johnny Minto. Because he doesn't fit the American culture's way of being successful. Mm -hmm. He comes across as very arrogant. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of that type of but Tom Brady's super arrogant. Um, Baker Mayfield. I, I agree. Have rings to back that but arrogance yeah, up. Baker Mayfield literally went on Ohio State's field and won Planted and then planted the flag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So uh, people aren't going to like that. That's not Americans don't like that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's arrogant, but he would never do that. No, he would never do that. Tom Brady would never. Joe Montana would never do. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like yeah. the arrogance that we're talking about with Tom Brady is more confidence. It's a it's a it's a type of confidence that Kobe and Tiger. So there's an interview with Tiger Woods and Curtis Strange. Same thing we're talking about. He's a teenager. He's getting interviewed by Curtis Strange, and Curtis Strange is clearly put off. Because he goes, what's your what's your goal to be the greatest ever? He started laughing, and Tiger would not. He, I'm gonna be. He's like 15. Curtis Strange gets an attitude, cuts the interview off, because Curtis Strange cannot take this one, this black kid, to this 15 year old, -old. kid, mm -hmm. telling me he's gonna be the greatest one ever. So there's a type of confidence that these dudes have. You can call Baker Mayfield arrogant because he doesn't have rings to back it up. But if he doesn't start off with that type of confidence, he's never going to get to the rings. What we know that every great player has in common is they have an unbelievable amount of confidence. Yeah. Uh, astronomical. That's the starting point. Most of sports, when you're in the eighth grade, boils down to are you confident? The most confident kid typically is the most successful kid in sports. Yeah. In the early ages. So it starts with this ridiculous amount of confidence. So Johnny Manziel, as his fame is growing, uh, we are introduced to him. We're actually introduced to him far before that. But it becomes more clear that his he's got this best friend, this partner in crime. The guy, the guy he were in high, they were in high school with, and they have uh -oh. they have the boy dream. Like we're gonna we're gonna do all this together. We're gonna we're gonna be famous, we're gonna be rich, and it's it's playing out that way. And and this kid who's his best friend, who's 19 years old, becomes sort of like his manager in all this. Mm, he goes in this. Scary. And one of the craziest thing about this documentary that I didn't know before all this was there's a portion. So, so when they're starting to make money and they're trying to throw the scent off of them, the NCAA, they're Sign trying to throw the, the, the autograph stuff. Yeah. He's trying to throw the scent off. He says, I started making up stories. Now this was crazy because one of the things I remember from this time was reading a Rolling Stone article about Johnny Manziel's family. That threw that they me were off. Like, that they were like an oil mafia family. Yeah. And I believed this the whole time. Yeah. And then Colin he looks Calvert right in the camera. It up. He looks right in the camera, this 19-year-old kid yeah. did, his friend, and says, yeah, we that was all made up. So <laughs> Uncle Nate. So so how that so this is fake news before we know what fake news is. Yeah. And the best part was watching Twitter react to this and people saying, like, where was journalism back then? Like, I got news for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Journalism's been missing for quite a while now. That's tough. I that's, just I couldn't believe that's it. That's tough. Slash, like, if you were someone that was like an investigative journalist, I think that you would be able to like clearly point out that like Okay, what oil family are you from? Yeah, yeah, like, I, that's weird. There's to only me. a select amount of oil families. I always knew he was from money. I am certain they said it over and over again. Yeah, he's I, from money. He's I am from money. certain Rolling Stone has taken this article down. But Cody, when I tell you, it was a long form article. Like this was a, like a 15 to 20 minute read. So the amount of information that this kid fed to them. And that they just wrote it, and of course it's Rolling Stone. Because of course it's Rolling Stone. But, but 
Don't you? I thought there was a time when they like had real journalists at Rolling Stone. <laughs> there like, was. It turns out everybody's the National Enquirer. <laughs> like the National Enquirer is more journalism than they switch back to the dad when the kid is telling this story about how he made made up stories about the family, and the dad just has this look on his face like, guys, eh. <laughs> I'm just telling you. It turns out the National Enquirer is more journalistic than they're the ones who broke the story on Tiger Woods. They're yep. the ones who broke the story yep. on Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky. Yep. Like, they are more journalists yep. than all of these huge publications. So that was, that was a big part of the, the, the uh, documentary for me, was that there were all sorts of stories out there about Johnny's family that turn out to be straight-up fabrications of his 19-year-old best friend slash agent. I wonder what he does for a living now, the friend, because he's been kicked out. Oh, that was the saddest part yeah, of the Yeah, that was the sad part. Slash, I don't know why, like, neither one of them have reached out to each other Oh, that was clear. It was clear what happened. So when he's going pro, the agent gets involved, yes, and code. they tell him, hey, you got to distance yourself from this kid. And so he leaves them. He does whatever he's told because he's Johnny good, wants to get drafted in the first he's round. He's a good friend. He's but a good friend. literally, and we've had 10 years since. I know. Yeah. It is impressive. But I don't think Manziel's going to let him back. Do you think he comes across as a person that cares about people? No. 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 But the kid's clearly hurt. His yes. best friend was clearly hurt. He was there because he that was his boy. Yeah, they were they were ride or die. That's the whole point. Like, why would you not just go third round? If I have to, like, I just, he clearly shows you he has zero values. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he doesn't have, to, he don't have now, values. To be fair, to be fair, if Johnny is exhibiting sociopathic behavior, Uh-oh. he does he does say that he's bipolar. Yes, in which... So do you agree with that, when, Cody? Do you uh, think that's true? I cannot say I'm just saying, because but you, of my potential licensing, but I oh. would say that it it fits. If he says he is, I can see some signs and read... Can can you pull back up what Netflix had said? Yeah. So there's a line that is in that that Johnny says he found inner peace. No, no, not that one. It's before <laughs> that that it became clear and obvious that these tendencies are definitely in place. I I would not necessarily diagnose him because I don't know him and that's beyond my scope. Yeah. But oh, I love it that um, for these. Views and opinions do not represent the views. And yes. <laughs> As the money rolled in, the scrutiny heightened, and Manziel rejected his newfound fame and suddenly lost his way. With astonishing candor, Manziel, along with his family coaches, his former best friend, his agent, details what happened behind the scenes as scandals piled up in the glare of paparazzi flashbulbs. He fumbled a shot at NFL success. Um, he went on to search for inner peace and happiness with a quieter life. There you go. So he's uh, the, the largest barn. So it was, well, you said it when you were reading it the first time, but it was about, I really love Johnny football. I love oh, yeah, yeah. Johnny oh. football. He loved me. He, and, he felt oh. like there were two. He does two? say in the documentary, there were yeah. two versions so of So kind of like Deion Sanders says, there's prime and mm-hmm. then there's Deion. Yeah. So if you are doing like some dissociation, some split persona stuff, there's some serious so mental is health that, signs. So Hollywood can happen. That can happen in Hollywood then. Yeah. Because so if I'm if I'm like the answer and then I'm Paul Pierce or whatever his name, I mean like he was the truth. The truth. The truth. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm Paul. And you know, you know, I'm the big ticket. You know, and then you're somebody else. That I, you know, you, you could play into that. And yeah. and, you, then, and that's Ric Flair's problem. Yes. Oh, Ric and, Flair definitely split. 
And but, so, but honestly, yeah, absolutely. Dude believes he's Ric Flair. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And Woo. so like when you have these warning signs and, oh, this is the part of the doc. I messaged Dave. I was furious yeah, with Cliff let me, Kingsbury. Let me sit up. Let me sit up. Let me sit what? up. Hold on. I'm going to sit up. Let me hear it. Let me, let me just, you want me to lead you into this? Yes. What is the responsibility of the people around us? One, especially bad quote comes from Kingsbury, a coach who like has to admit who personally benefited greatly from Manziel's performance quote. I always felt you had to be careful in telling Johnny how to live his life. He explains about the then 20 year old player. It wasn't ideal for us as coaches, but it's kind of like, that's the dark side he needed to play good. And as long as he wasn't getting in trouble, do your deal. Because th- the system is set up for my job is to keep my job. Now, that's not the right answer. But I'm just telling you, it's like how we used to do corporations. Their only job used to be the only value of a corporation was to make a profit. Yeah, They're now changing that. We've now got some conscientious capitalism going on where they're going, there's more to a company than just earning a profit. But the only the only thing a corporation had responsibility-wise to its stakeholders was a profit. And as an athlete, all of our coaches I've ever been around, as a D1 athlete, all of our coaches, their only responsibility was winning. That's it. Because if you don't win, the fans are going, why aren't we winning? We should be winning because everybody thinks – you either win or you choke. It's not real. It's this yeah. thing that we've created with sports that breeds the idea that we're going to base who's a great player based on how many rings they have. Yep. Creates it's, this system that let me, we're let me never ask mad you a about. Question: The are are the are a greater percentage of the what we would label as the great coaches in any of these sportses in any of these sports college sports. Is there a greater percentage, though, of those coaches who are trustworthy, who walk into parents' home to recruit and say, I'm going to take care of your kid, that actually do? I would register to say the best coaches are the ones who are the most relational. They have some type of way. I think Phil Jackson was way more relational than X and O's, okay? Mm -hmm. And I think, but what sells, what makes people people is you have to win. And I, so, at the end of the day, if you have the pressure of being at A&M and having to win, and this dude got in a brawl, and our backup quarterback, and he's drunk and hungover, and our backup quarterback can't play as good as the guy who's hungover and drunk, and we have to win, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm going yeah. with the guy. My job's on that. I'm not saying this is the right way of looking at it. I'm just saying that's – and the fan fans create this system. Yeah. Fans created this culture. Yeah. This yep. is what fans yep. demand. That's fair. And so you can't have it both ways. I, I, I want to give Cody a chance to, to, to t- say what his thoughts are on Cliff Kingsbury specifically. So as he's saying like all these things, I'm like, oh, my goodness, dude. Did you not appreciate his honesty? Um, hey, let's, <laughs> no, let's, he let's be real clear. <laughs> let's be real clear. He shows up and does the interview. Yeah. I miss all this. Kevin Sumlin's nowhere to be seen in Absolutely. this documentary. Yeah, I don't, yeah, the brother's like, no thanks. And it looks bad. <laughs> it looks bad. <laughs> that brother's like, no, I'm good. <laughs> that dude got a million, millions of dollars yeah, extension because yes. of Johnny Manziel. That's what I'm saying. Got a Stanford job. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Kingsbury is there. Kingsbury's yes. there. But like, <laughs> so you have rules. You have mm. these things laid out within like the conduct of the team. Yeah, absolutely. You have that. You have – I'm not expecting you to raise your football players. 
I am expecting you to have an environment or a culture of at least caring. Mm. And so you see the train starting to derail. Yeah. You have the opportunity because I know you're in the SEC, every game's tough, but there were some lesser opponents like, hey, why don't you go get some treatment? Or right after the season's over, right after you almost win the national title. What jersey were the people buying, though? Yeah, he was gone after yeah. the season. <laughs> he wasn't going no. to class. No, I, well, I'm what, just what, saying. What jersey would they have out there that they were selling? Yeah. That like you can even do it discreetly. You don't yeah. need to advertise it. But if you care about this young man, I'm not saying you have to be his dad no. while he's at college. He's 18 or 19. No. He can yeah. take care of himself. Like, look, I'm, but, I am with you. I am too. I, and I, in, I totally in a, in agree a, a with what you're world, saying. I'm with you, but ain't going to But here's the deal. I saw almost the exact same situation play out at KU, and, oh, yes. and I am not going to mention the player's name. I will. <laughs> but he was the same position. <laughs> yeah. Played very much the same yes. way as Manziel. Yeah. Wasn't as good. Yeah. But I saw the same thing play out in a lesser situation without yeah. all the hype. Yeah, absolutely. And they did nothing. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, 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 you, you, you. And so – if they did nothing, uh, yeah, yeah. Then, I, then how sorry. can I hold the A and M coaches nah, like when they're in the middle of this? Is a culture what is unrivaled of NCAA hype. sports. Like, this listen, is the culture of the NCAA sports. I, I am with you, but asking if they're not doing it in regular old college situations, <laughs> asking like, this like is dormant, the hype. The hype of this dormant. of Johnny football yeah. was beyond I think what any of us can comprehend. Absolutely, I will quote my friend. That's the point that I'm making. The the Reverend. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Oh boy, oh boy. He's the got a time title. to do what is right, or it's always right to do, or <laughs> yeah. Now just, uh, you threw me off with all He's all flustered. Fool me once, shame up. Fool me. Just don't fool me again. You understand? The time is always right to do what is right. That's the yeah. quote. So, and so, but, but like, if especially, oh, I was so miffed at the the athletic director who, oh yeah, like yeah. he's the scum of the earth. <laughs> so I he, will say so, it. so you can't say a diagnosis, but you can say that. Huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> scum of the earth. Um, hey, I was already furious as soon as they brought up. Well, we left the Big Twelve. Hey, I'm like, the, the, I, I wish I could have watched this with Cody. I messed up. I should have came over and watched this with you. Oh, he texted me. He was big mad. He was oh, big yeah. mad that they all these coaches failed him. Like, look, listen. I, this I mean, could I have been a, this could have been a lot worse. Yeah. Let's just say that. Yeah. Johnny's alive. Yeah, somehow. Hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars were made, a new stadium. And that's it's America. <laughs> that's all that matters, Cody. What is wrong? <laughs> what is wrong? Why why do you care about people? This is not about <laughs> this is not this is about winning. If if we went by what you just said, you know how many people would not be in the NFL right now? Okay. Serious thing for real. <laughs> serious <laughs> thing. Serious thing to move us into the next question, because this is a great time to do it. Doesn't this sort of prove the NCAA's point about do college athletes, is it good for college athletes to be making tons of money? It's doesn't this kind of back up their claim? No, no, no. Okay, I'm just hey, listen. No. I'm not. I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I love it. That's does, a good question. Does this put some some credence on what the why the NCAA was holding back? No, the money going to college athletes. Yes, in in a, in, a, in in Cody's world, 
like what Cody is saying, he's right, and the and they shouldn't be. They should just get a scholarship. In a in a but but that's not where we're at. That's not what this has become. Okay, is not where we're at. You oh, say yeah. in Cody's world. Now, aren't there mental health people involved in these? Oh yes, big sports teams? I get to go because of the crisis. They let a dude from Chanute go to Iowa State and speak to the locker room. You know, because of that, pastors. I mean, John McCarthy got to speak to the Nebraska football team because of this. It actually allows the church to have a say because of Johnny Manziel. Yeah, because of the culture of the NCAA and, oh, okay. and the right. spiritual needs, the metaphysical needs. Because they're getting paid now. Well, not no, just because they're going to the pressure, the culture, oh, the yeah. atmosphere. Like, okay. I mean, the college football, if you play to Ohio State and then sign the Carolina Panthers, you're playing in front of more people in college than you ever will, in more than house. likely. And if you played at Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, UCLA, some of these places hold 110, 120,000 people. Yeah. Tennessee. More Tuscaloosa. Than, Tennessee, yeah. So college football, the pressure. I can't imagine playing for LSU. I can't imagine playing in front of 120,000 people and then getting it done and then being humble. Are you kidding me? So you, yeah, I got you, no response to that. Yeah. That feeds into like thoughts of grandiose, which then okay. is a symptom. But tell the truth. If you could throw sidearm on the run and hit a dude on the run like Patrick Mahomes, what kind of sense would you have? Oh my goodness. I look at Patrick Mahomes and go, how does he have any? I'm amazed that he has any sense yep. um, with well, the things that he can let's do. Let's balance this with we've all watched the quarterback documentary yeah. that featured Patrick yes, Mahomes, yes. that featured Kirk Cousins. Now, Patrick Mahomes is more of a Johnny Manziel level yeah, type athlete. Yes. But like we've get in this documentary, you've got Johnny Manziel saying, I watched no tape. Yeah. I did nothing. On my own to to put any effort towards being better at football. Mm -hmm. In the quarterback documentary, you've got Patrick Mahomes watching hours of game tape. Yes. You've got Kirk Cousins strapping technology yes. to his head yes. to watch videos to help him to focus. But if you went to a party, you would think Patrick Mahomes and John Manziel were the same person. That's yes. the point yes. that I'm trying to make to my brother over here. Yes. Like, there's a lot of guys who think and act. The same way Johnny does, yeah. but Johnny just don't put in the work. Patrick Mahomes is amazingly balanced. Could you could you imagine though throwing the ball like that and coming in with the success that that first season he started and having that that magical run, the first Super Bowl or the that first time they lost the conference championship. You, I can't. You couldn't tell me nothing. What would you be able to tell me? That's why I have a St. Patrick Mahomes candle. St. Patrick, I love it. So that's that's why Johnny Menzel is who we thought he was, and that's what the documentary told us. And it, I, there was no. The only thing that shocked me was the lie that they made up to let people think that he was his family was rich. So the thing that that's bothered shocking. me, besides like the the brutal honesty of Cliff Kingsbury, which I appreciated. Okay, yeah. Um, Give him his props. Yeah, he was honest. Um, Did he get paid for the documentary? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> that, might, that might affect my. Is he coaching still? Is he with no, the Arizona no. Cardinals? So he, he got let go this past off season. Okay, and he's which, somewhere though. He's he was last seen on the beach in Hawaii. There you go. Stop. He wasn't in Maui. Though. <laughs> yeah, not in Maui. <laughs> is he the one who started the fire? <laughs> but like the the thing that bothered me is like okay, so we we highlight that. Johnny Manziel is this phenomenal athlete. Yeah. Give him his props. But, yeah. like, there's people around him 
there's teammates and also like you skip a huge chapter of like so they focus on the first two years in the NFL where he gets canned <laughs> but like he goes to the CFL there's a Canadian Football League Johnny Manziel that we did not yeah, even yeah. discuss. Yeah. So, so another thing like is I was robbed. how he how he how he was able to pass the tests. He was drinking all that water. Just that whole game mm-hmm. of of showing up the way he did to the draft, and and then like we didn't even talk about how he threw passes to his wide receivers. Got so drunk they couldn't show up to the workout, so he's throwing passes to his agents and, and the lawyers. <laughs> I mean. You can't make this up. This is like how he got drafted. And you knew. We, you want me to tell you how I knew when the whole thing was not going to work out? Is when the Cowboys passed him. Yep. Yeah. If when, Jerry when, passes if Jerry on a Texas on, guy. Yeah, if Jerry passes on you, that should have told every NFL team. And, and, and so, yeah. So, yeah, Johnny Paycheck, Johnny Football. He, I thought he was who the – I that. He was why Incidentally, I thought he was. Cliff Kingsbury is now an assistant coach at USC. Okay. So oh, that yeah. makes sense. So he's with the OU coach, huh? Is that OU's the yeah. Lincoln Riley? Lincoln Riley. And I'm there. just the, the the disappointment that you guys will have is that NCAA, the 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 the, the grand old that we have about amateur sports, the fans play a role. So it's no different than we talked about any other documentary here. And not only do the coaches let them down. We fans. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. We fans. So remember we talk about these documentaries, mm-hmm. and we talk about like, have you seen that documentary of the cats? Where they, oh, yeah. Okay, and at the end of the documentary, the Don't people- with cats. Yeah, the, the people that made the documentary said, are we culpable? Yeah. And they started feeling some type of, and the meat, remember we were uh, watching the documentary yeah. with this the guy? Is, and there's a couple, I feel the, like- The Barney with, documentary was the same way. Like, all these people that were trying to get Barney canceled were like- Oh, did we mess up a whole generation yes. of kids? Yeah, so so I feel like the way that we talk about sports mm. and the grand scale that we talk about it, we are also culpable when Dan Marino never won a ring, but he was the man. And I think when you start making it just about some guys, if it was so easy to just go out and win, mm-hmm. everybody would do it. But it's not. So I feel like we need to, as fans and even people that do shows like this, be more creative with how we talk about sports. That's just me. Now there's even an extra added weight that it's all about gambling now. Yeah. ESPN is starting their own network that's literally channel that's all about betting. All about betting. Gambling. Guys, I do a football Bible study on Thursdays, and I'm not going to lie to you. When we watch Thursday Night Football and then we have a Bible study, those kids, have they're all in high school, and they all have their phones out, and they all have prop bets. I won't say all because I don't know what parents are listening, and I'm not a snitch. (laughs) <laughs> actually, actually, I'm not a reporter. It would be me reporting. Snitching yes. is when you're doing it with them and then you're acting like you didn't do it and you tell on them. That's what real snitching is. I'm actually just reporting. But there are a lot of kids in that room who are betting prop bets on the game that we're watching. That's wild. Mm-hmm. Ain't that wild? That's wild. I don't even it's have that a kind different of world. I don't have that kind of courage. Um, college and you just sports, saw the scandal at Iowa sports. State. Yeah. Iowa State just had a huge scandal. That Iowa kicker and Iowa State. that Kai that yeah. kicker missed three field goals at KU. And he's got arrested. And he missed three field goals in that KU football game. Dude, bet the under. 
Yeah, in a game I, he was in. Yeah, yeah, but I thought, oh, because I was sitting with the Iowa State fans when he missed all three kicks. I was like, oh my gosh, like, I was that guy thinking, wasn't going to be able to show his face again. Yes, I was thinking he was going to be, you know, have to have somebody on the bus with him on the way to the plane. But yeah, so you're right. Oh, Whole new okay. ball game. Let's uh, let's switch it up. Let's move to our last thing here because I like to get to the deep theme last. All right, there's a quote by Johnny. Uh oh. And this plays more to our roles as pastors, where he says, and this is like, listen, some form of this has been uttered by the likes of Tom Brady, been uttered by the likes of Jerry Rice, and pretty much anybody who's reached the pinnacle of their sport, Mm. where Johnny says, I had everything I ever wanted, and I never felt more empty. You posted that. When are we going to start listening to them when they say it out loud? Even Solomon said this. Yes. Like, they keep going to the top going, there's nothing up here. And we don't believe Um, him. Jordan. Michael Jordan. We don't believe him. Like, the dude's like, well, um, you know, I'm I'm the GOAT, but, like, I need something else in my life. We don't believe him. For some reason, we don't believe him. I don't know why. When are we going to listen? I don't know. We just, the, the, the writer in Psalms said, not to us, but to your name be the glory. And we're just not made for fame. The only one that can handle fame is God. And I'm not to be over Christianese, but at the end of the day, that's it. And these, this machine, man, and you, it breaks my heart. Like every single one of these documentaries and all the untold stories, this is what they're doing this season. Okay. Um, you got Jake Paul. Which I watched that one already. I haven't. And in all of his brokenness, Next you got Barry is. Bonds right now just released today. I watched it this afternoon during lunch because I didn't know if you're going to bring that up. Talk about Barry Bonds and Con- the Conte guy and Balco. Mm-hmm. It's again chasing fame. And we got the Swamp Kings coming up, which uh, is going to be Swamp Kings very going to be crazy. And I just don't think. And I know Dave knows because you of your of your campus experience at KU. I cannot, there's nothing I can equate it with. Like, what did Lester Earl really do? Oh, he did nothing. But his fame on that campus. Mm -hmm. He could literally ask for anything he wanted Mm -hmm. and get it. I mean, it was, it became a what was it, like free Lester? What was a free world? They put people were going to games with free Lester. Like, free Lester. Yeah. Free, it was just this this thing that built that built. And I remember being at Midnight Madness. I'm sitting behind the bench at Midnight Madness, watching Paul Pierce post up Lester Earl, and the buildings just they're playing like a little they're playing like a little scrimmage, and it's just this build up. Like, oh my gosh, the possibilities of what's going to be. He hadn't done anything at this point. He averaged about 20 points a game. At LSU, LSU. Mm-hmm. had a decent freshman year. But as far as accomplishments, to your point, like what fans think of accomplishment, yeah. and it was, it was, Dave remembers, it mm-hmm. was a huge buzz, and nothing came. So interesting story. I actually played in a game, a pickup game with Lester Earl mm. before he hurt his knee. Mm. And he blocked, one, he blocked up one, he blocked Dave. one of my shots. And it looked like I was looking up at the soles of his feet. Yeah, buddy. I, he, could he could leave jump. out of the building, and that was lost after he Absolutely. hurt his knee. That, yeah, that, um, here, here's where I will get back into to end the whole the end the show here. I'm going to go back to holding ourselves culpable. Humanity was made to hold something in awe. Mm. We were made to recognize mm. awe, mm. and right now, and lift up our arms to it. Mm. And right now, what we lift up our arms to are athletes. Yeah. And Taylor Swift, yeah, uh, our favorite musicians. We yeah. our arms go straight up in the air yeah. when we yeah. get excited like that. Yeah. And 
That is how we're culpable of putting people like Johnny Manziel in a position. What's a 19-year-old kid going to do to 100,000-plus all lifting their arms in and celebration can I of add him? one more thing? How about we talk about team sports like, a, like it is? Team. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I just feel like lifting LeBron up and lifting up whoever you think is great and not talking about the team. I think fans are culpable. I think... Um, we we are asking for one thing and not realizing what it produces, and that's the the issue when you lift something up to like idol like status. Mm-hmm. That um, you made something that's not inherently good or inherently bad; it just is, and now you have put the wrong emphasis on it, and the nat- natural cause and effect is. Chaos and turmoil. So, so maybe, maybe when Johnny Manziel says, I got everything I ever wanted and I never felt more empty, mm-hmm. maybe our natural response, our, our response should be, what have we done? Uh, yeah, the coaches, the, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we, the fans, fans, everyone. Yeah, what are we doing? What are um, we doing? What's, what's our like, goal listen, with this? I love sports. Yeah, what's our goal with this? But I've also lost the kind of fanaticism Absolutely. I used to have yes. and, and you also understand... When I conversate with you, we love to talk about teams. Mm-hmm. And that is getting more and more of a kids today. Not to, I'm not bashing on kids, but there's this now culture now that's so individualistic. And it, NFL used to never be like this, but it's become this now. Because you wear masks, you wear fi- I mean football helmets, you can't really see an individual. But now it's becoming, and this may be the gambling thing, the fantasy league slash gambling thing, the emphasis now is individuals whereas that 49ers team was a good team now it's tom brady bro they were legitimately good teams. tom brady had like 16 top five defenses (laughs) yeah in his career like you you understand i'm saying like we've got no like the 49ers were a phenomenal team like roger Mm -hmm. craig tom raffin we knew all those guys ronnie Uh, lott like we knew jerry rice like we knew even john taylor was a phenomenal Tied in the 85 Bears, you list off right. every defensive That's team right. member, including right. William the Refrigerator Pair. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So, I just kind of feel like what fans need to bring back, and I think the NBA actually hit it this year with Denver and the Miami Heat, those are two really good teams, yes. And we saw them average almost nine passes a possession every time, mm. so that there's an opportunity just to get back to that. Yeah, and um, I think if women's sports focuses more on teamwork, they have a good chance in women's basketball. But right now, it's we gotta the girl, want it though. It's the girl from Iowa that everybody's elevated. Well, the this. fans gotta want it. That. Yeah, yeah, they gotta that's support true. it. Yeah, that's true. Because women's basketball has been a truer version yeah, of the game for a long time. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. But we gotta support it. Absolutely, you're right. That's good stuff. I just bless his heart. I when I watched the documentary, I laughed the whole time. Like this is exactly I always thought he had. You know. I don't know how much run-ins you have with frat guys, uh, but this is a frat guy mm-hmm. who's really good at football. I, all of my friends who are in frat, that they were really good at football, we're in trouble. They, <laughs> them being good at cornhole is dangerous, <laughs> let alone. <laughs> Succeeding in the SEC as yes. the best quarterback yes. in the nation. Yeah, oh. and, and, and people wanted him to be the best quarterback. Mm-hmm. They wanted him to be. He captured their... Imagination. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. Any final thoughts? Um, so the person that I related to in this was the sister. 
The one I connected uh, with was the sister. I'm like, forgot her. Yeah. Oh, she's the only one who talks about him like he's a real person. Yep, and she's very level headed about it. Like, and she's and she's like, his ride or die. I, mm-hmm. I, 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 she says that. Yep, and I see. Th- this coming and i'm like johnny you gotta quit going out partying (laughs) mom and dad's like whatever and when did she when did she say it went off the rails she said uh he became a different person after the bama game because he could he couldn't be stopped from getting whatever he wanted Mm, at that point he could get whatever Mm. he could do whatever he want he wanted and she knew that was bad for. let's end with this let's just pray that whatever that spirit is Never lands itself on Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) Whatever that demonic, (laughs) let's just pray that somehow, and I'm not going to lie, I'll whisper this, but I was having a hard time with the wife on that documentary. Oh, <laughs> I, was, I was trying. I'm whispering because I don't want nobody to hear me. But that, hey, that was tough. If I'm complimenting uh, Brittany Mahomes, though, I'm saying, hey, man, there's no one as a bigger cheerleader. Than her. I'm just going to refer to her as the wife. <laughs> and I was struggling. I was trying to go, KD, to stop being judgmental. Now you got, what's his name? Cousin's wife is cut, cutting out Cole's cash over here. She yeah, is. She's clipping yeah. Cole's <laughs> cash. The cousins almost seem like the Tooies. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, they're impossibly, they're impossibly decent. They are way too clean. Didn't they feel that way? <laughs> yes. It was like, wow. Yeah, they're driving a conversion van. You're just he's, like, okay. He's reading his kids' bedtime stories. You're going to have to edit this thing so people don't get lost in the weeds with us. Yeah, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I don't got that kind of time. I have one compliment for you guys. I oh, love, God. though, how you, the different ways you break up the podcast. Okay. And how you drop segments every once in a while of just, former podcast. I actually really enjoy that. I think that's genius. Oh, thank um, you. Just so you know, I enjoy that. How you guys don't always play the whole podcast, just like drop a whole pod. How you just drop different parts of it, mm-hmm. I think is genius. And I kudos to y'all. Good oh, stuff. Thank you. Thank you. Good stuff. I appreciate it. It's All a right. good podcast. Um, if you'd like to tell us how brilliant we are, you can follow <laughs> hey, us on Facebook. Hey, let's pray that you guys don't get that spirit. I mean, <laughs> yeah. all it takes, for real, Andy Reid... One day he said where he eats pizza at every Thursday or whatever. I would now everybody. So could you imagine? All it takes is one to go. Oh my gosh! I listen to these two guys, the pop culture pastor, and then it's over. And then you guys are walking around in bow ties and sweats. I would love. <laughs> I, I would love. I would love to prove prove my my humbleness. If this show blew up, if it we blows up, to, oh, I'm uh, praying for you guys because uh, yeah, I'm praying. The, the, you know what you get from it. And every young athlete is here. Be careful what you ask for. Oh yep. yeah, yep, yep. That's a good way to end it. I hope I never become a famous. I never want anybody. I want to live in Chanute. <laughs> I do not want to be known. Slaying the Lord time. help us. Slaying that time forgot. Lord help. If you guys become famous, take all of my stuff off your podcast. <laughs> I'm gonna put that in the conservatorship. What is it called? What'd you call it? The conserver conservatorship. Put that in yeah. the conservative stuff. All right. Uh, tell us what you thought if you watched the documentary. Did you enjoy it? Did you enjoy the sports talk for this episode? We had a sports theme this episode. That's part of pop culture. That's not, do you ever talk about sports in pop culture? Not much. I was going to say, I haven't heard of it. We talked uh, about wrestling once. Um, yeah. The, the last conversation y'all had about Marvel just cracked me up, but I'll, I'll talk about that. <laughs> Make sure and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already. Download. Download them, take them with you on road trips. Uh, That's all good. And make sure and give us a review. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time.